This is Big Sean. We're Fifth Harmony. What's happening? This is Adam Levine from Maroon 5. I'm Calvin Harris. Yours truly, Jason Derulo. Hi, we're One Direction, and this is Gary Hoffman. This is Selena Gomez. This is Shannon Farron. This is Rihanna. Gary. What's up, guys? This is Justin Bieber. Shannon. And you are behind the scenes. Gary and Shannon. KFI AM640, more stimulating talk. It's the Gary and Shannon Show. Book Kelly in for Gary and Shannon. One more day. Un dia más. One more day. And as I prepare to exit, Congress has re-entered the room. Congress is back to work. Wait, wait, wait. They're back in session. I think it would be erroneous to say that they're back to work. They are now meeting again. And why is this significant? Because when you come back from the holiday break, in these even number years, in these non-presidential election years, it signifies the official beginning of the midterm election season. Yes, even though it's only 10 months away, it's still the beginning of the midterm election season. And why is that so significant? Here's why. Because Republicans will have to come to grips with the fact it's one thing to win an election, It's another thing to stay in office. It's one thing to get power. It's another thing to stay in power. There's being on top and remaining on top. And historically, historically, the president's party does poorly in midterm elections. And for Donald Trump, this is supremely important to avoid. If he wants to get anything else done past this time next year, he's going to have to do everything in his power and do his part to make sure that the Republicans hold on to both the House and the Senate. Hold on to both. Because if he doesn't have both, then he's, what they say, a lame duck already, earlier than ever before. Because of the partisan gridlock, if the Republicans don't hold on, they're done. And if you look at California, if you read the tea leaves, the Republicans are in trouble in terms of Congress here in California due to the president's unpopularity. I'm not talking about how I feel about the president. I'm talking about history. I'm talking about how history has an impact on the present and the future. And here's something else that I want you to be very cognizant of. There is still no spending solution yet. We had a budget stopgap, remember, before the holidays? They funded the government through January 19th, meaning in about 17 days at the maximum, they will have to come up with either another stopgap measure or some sort of final plan in place to fund the government through the rest of the year. If that does not happen and the government shuts down, since the Republicans control both the House and Senate, who do you think is going to get blamed? Fair or unfair, who do you think is going to get blamed? Or, put it another way, who has more to lose in a government shutdown? If you're the Democrats, say, hey, we don't control the House, we don't control the Senate, doesn't matter. Shut the mother father down. It's okay with us. We have nothing to lose as Democrats, as they would say. But if you're Republicans, you can't allow that to happen. And here is where it gets going to get real sticky. The Republicans and Donald Trump are asking for a wall. 
on the southern border of the United States. You know, that great, big, beautiful wall that President Trump has been promising. But the Democrats are saying, no, 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 no. Nothing is going to happen until we come to some sort of clarity and agreement on DACA, the Dreamers, as part of this immigration revamp, which has been promised since the first administration of President Obama. And since it is a midterm election year for Democrats as well, everybody in the House of Representatives is up for reelection. The Democrats still have to go back to their communities, to their constituencies, and they've been promising dreamers a home here in the United States for quite some time. They have nothing to gain by giving into the wall and also not getting something for the dreamers. See, this is where it all gets real complicated. There's going to have to be a negotiation which goes on, even though the Republicans have the majority. And here's something else to consider. As we jump over to the Senate, guess who gets installed tomorrow? Doug Jones in Alabama. So what was a slim majority today is going to be even slimmer tomorrow, shrinking from 52 to from 52 to 48 to 51 to 49, meaning that the GOP has no room for error on anything. A wayward vote by a Susan Collins or a John McCain or Ben Sass or Lisa Murkowski. It does not matter. One vote can throw everything into disarray. And I understand they only need 50 and then the vice president can break the tie. But you don't want to play that game. You remember how difficult? No, no, that's the wrong word. You remember how futile it was, the, the various and many attempts to repeal and replace Obamacare? And that was with 52 votes in the Senate. Do you think it gets any easier with 51? So it's high time in the Congress. It's very significant. Now, as we look at what's going to happen in the next few months, are the Republicans going to once again go back to the well and try for a full repeal and replacement of Obamacare? Because despite what the president has told us, just removing the individual mandate did not kill Obamacare. It just killed the mandate. The people were still signing up for the plans. The insurance exchanges are still there. Obamacare, as we know it, with the exception of the mandate, is still in existence. So the promise has yet to be fulfilled in terms of what was being offered by Republicans for the past eight years at this point repeal and replace Obamacare. Are they going to try to do that first out of the gate, knowing good and well that they still have to deal with the the government shutdown looming and the Democrats are not going to play ball? Or are they going to do something else? Are they going to go for immigration reform slash DACA slash the wall? Is that going to be what they're going to do? You know, the Democrats are not going to help. This is why I love politics like I love sports. We really don't know what's going to happen. And that's assuming that there are no indictments, no changes in the Russia investigation, no nothing from Bob Mueller. That's assuming nothing changes between now and the end of the month. And the odds of that happening are slim and none. I'm Mo Kelly in for Gary and Shannon. Just want to let you know, coming up next... You will have your chance. You know, I am so benevolent. I am so cool. I am so nice. I am so warm and fuzzy this new year. You are so humble. That too. That too. 
I love myself so much, I feel like I want to share the love with everyone else. So that means you're going to have your chance to win $1,000 when we come back. But also, in the meantime, when you start contemplating how you're going to spend all that cash, what you need to do is call Bill Handel right now. If you have a legal question, in other words, you want to know how you want to protect your money or save it from your greedy relatives and not include them in your will, for example, give Bill Handel a call. He's taking your call right now for off-air conversation, and then it'll be later, uh, it will be later aired for Handel on the Law. Give him a call at 877-520-1150, 877-520-1150. Handel's taking legal questions for Handel on the Law until 11 o'clock this morning, 877 877- Five two zero eleven fifty. I'm Mo Kelly, KFI AM six forty. More stimulating talk. KFI AM six forty. More stimulating talk is the Gary and Shannon show. I'm Mo Kelly in for Gary and Shannon. I'm in such a great mood today. You know what? I feel like being Santa Claus after the fact. Let's give away $1,000. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword BILLS to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's BILLS to 200-200. And just know, you may get a phone call between now and the top of the hour from a, a number that you may not recognize. It would be in your best interest to answer the damn phone. I mean... If you want to win, that is. Answer the phone. And also, speaking of the phone, our own Bill Handle is taking legal questions for Handle on the Law right now up until 11 o'clock this morning. So give him a call at 877-520-1150. 877-520-1150. And then you can be on with Bill, and he'll answer your legal questions with and provide some marginal legal advice. Did you see? Did you see? Did you see our president? is protecting us in those friendly skies. I know it's true because he said it's true. The president tweeted the following this morning. Quote, since taking office, I have been very strict on commercial aviation. Good news. It was just reported that there were zero deaths in 2017, the best and safest year on record. Close quote. That's what the president had to say. He wasn't exactly clear in terms of what he did specifically to make sure that there was no pilot error or any mechanical failure or anything regarding air travel at all. I have yet to see anything, but I'll just take the president at his word. There is some truth in the tweet. Commercial air travel in 2017 was the safest ever according to a Dutch aviation consulting firm. There were zero commercial, and that's important, commercial passenger jet fatalities in 2017. Well, that's good. Because if you know me, and we've talked about it before, the last thing I want to do is end up on the side of a mountain. I don't want to go down on a ball of flames. And so the whole idea that zero people died in 2017 in commercial aviation commercial, that should make me feel more confident. Actually, it doesn't. I'll tell you why. Law of averages. If nobody died in 2017, what does that mean for 2018? Statistically and literally, there's nowhere to go but down. Is that inappropriate to say? But it's true. I mean, if nobody died last year, do you think that nobody's going to die this year? I'm not wishing ill. 
I'm saying this as a person who does not like to fly at all. And it gets worse as I get older. Don't ask me why. Maybe I'm more in touch with my mortality. But just because nobody died this year doesn't make me feel that next year or which, well, next year is now this year. Yeah, that this year, which was originally going to be next year, but now it's this year, that this year is going to be as good or should I put more faith in the president that as long as he stays on it, I'll be safe in the air? Because I know the president is inspecting every single plane and making sure that every mechanic is doing his or her job and making sure that no pilot is going to work drunk or sleepy or overworked and everything's going to be okay. The Aviation Safety Network also reported that there were no commercial passenger deaths in 2017, but 10 fatal airliner accidents resulting in 44 fatalities on board and 35 persons on the ground, including cargo planes and commercial passenger turboprop aircraft. What they don't tell you, and this is something that I know for a fact because of insider information, they're not counting the people who just die on airplanes because of aneurysms, embolisms, heart attacks. That's also a factor with air travel because it it does put an enormous amount of stress on the body, especially if you're just sitting and, and having your blood pool for some 12 hours when you're flying intercontinentally. Yeah, I'm just a bundle of joy. Maybe I should give away some more money. Next hour, next hour, I'll do that. But when we come back from this break, and I want to take my time and set this up, I used to be a big fan of Dave Chappelle. I'm less so now. Uh-oh. No, because his comedy, he's not as funny and insightful to me yeah. as he once was. Have you seen his stand-up lately? Yes. On Netflix? Yes. Okay. And I have some thoughts about that. All right. But I'm actually going to defend him. He's received a lot of criticism and pushback because of his most recent comedy because he was making jokes at the expense of Kevin Spacey mm. and also Louis C.K. I did hear a joke. Uh, he did a, a New Year's show with John Mayer. Yes. And I did see a clip of that. And I recently saw him live with The Roots at Radio City Music Hall a couple months ago. He was really good. But that was before all the Me Too stuff happened. I don't think he should change a thing. That's mm-hmm. that's a hint for my commentary. Okay. He's received a lot of criticism. And to me, he's not as funny and insightful as he once was, but I don't think he should change a a thing. And I'll tell you why when we come back. This is the Gary and Shannon Show. Mo Kelly in for Gary and Shannon. KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. And I want to feel something again. I just want to feel something again. KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. It's the Gary and Shannon Show. Mo Kelly in for Gary and Shannon. I tell you, I don't have any legal issues right about now. But if I did, I would get on the phone right now with Bill Handel because he's taking legal questions for Handel on the Law for later broadcast at 877-520-1150. If you have legal questions you'd like answered, Handel on the Law is taking your call right now at 877-520-1150 for later broadcast. I'm a kid of the 70s, born in the 60s, kid of the 70s. I grew up on comedians like Richard Pryor, George Carlin, Moms Mabley, Dick Gregory, 
comedians who oftentimes made us feel uncomfortable by taking the social issues of the moment and then serving them back to us a different way than we are accustomed to. All of the issues of the day, be it race and politics and, and sexism and all the things which were considered taboo many years ago, those comedians and many others found the funny in them. It wasn't about making us feeling make us feel good about ourselves, but to make us think and challenge our preconceived notions and push us in terms of what we believe or what we've heard. And within the space of comedy, and I'll be joined here in studio by comedian Mona Shake later on, and we're going to discuss these issues. Comedy has always been about the catharsis of a nation. Comedy has always been a healing element, a way in which we can laugh at ourselves, laugh at each other, and also wrestle with the more uncomfortable issues that are confronting us as Americans. So when I read that Dave Chappelle, who I think is very funny in his own right, not as funny as he used to be prior to his sabbatical, but someone who is very funny and very witty and insightful and still pushes the envelope in terms of taking contemporary issues that were most top of mind, most incendiary, from transgender issues, bathroom, on down. There was nothing which was out of bounds for Dave Chappelle when he did his Comedy Central sketch show, and nothing has been out of bounds in his comedy routine. When someone like that who has a history of doing comedy in that vein, I'm not going to say that he needs to take a step back from anything or any subject. Now, I have the right to quote-unquote find him funny or not funny. I can turn him on. I can turn him off. I didn't particularly care for his previous Netflix special. I think he uses the N-word too much. That just goes to my specific personal preferences. But in terms of the, the, the subject matter and the substance of what he has to say, I'm all good with it. I may not agree with him, but I'm all good with any comedian being able to express him or herself in that form. We're not talking about a political figure. We're not talking about someone who's writing an editorial in a newspaper. We're talking about someone who's there purely for entertainment purposes only. Purely. And people are willing to pay to see him. And he's in, I'll say, Hot water, but not really hot water. He's not in danger of losing his job. He's not in danger of losing any type of comedy gig or a TV show. But he's received a good degree of criticism because of jokes he used in his recent Netflix special and also his New Year's Eve special. And I can't play you the audio because it's really, really profane. Really profane. But I can give you the general gist of it all and read some of the quotes. In short, he was pressing viewers and listeners to possibly re-examine or make more room for other views in terms of what has been going on with the sexual misconduct allegations, sexual harassment, sexual assault, and so forth. All of them, from Harvey Weinstein to Louis C.K. and even Kevin Spacey. 
Here's what he had to say about Louis C.K. Quote, Louis was like the turning point. All these allegations were terrible. I shouldn't say this, but his allegations were the only ones that made me laugh. When you think about it, he's jaying off. I can't usually can't say the word. He's surprising people. I picture all the comics in comedy reading it like, word, it's terrible. I'm sorry, ladies. You're right. At the same time, Jesus Christ, they took everything from Louis. It might be disproportionate. I can't tell. Show business is just harder than that. Them women sounded like, I hate to say it, they sounded weak. One of these ladies was like, Louis C.K. was masturbating while I was on the phone with him. B, you don't know how to hang up the phone? How the hell are you going to survive in show business if this is an actual obstacle to your dreams? I know Louis is wrong. I'm just saying I'm held to a higher standard of accountability than these women are. And his delivery is probably much more funny than mine. And I understand the, the more serious point that he's trying to make. I don't understand how we lost the ability to be able to distinguish between comedy and real life. He's offering commentary about real life. He's offering a different view about real life. But if we take him within the same context of a Richard Pryor or a George Carlin, what do you think they would have been saying in today's environment? They would have been saying that and more. Right. Maybe not with as many cuss words. No, it would have been with more. Maybe, yeah. Richard Pryor, <laughs> yes. George Carlin, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And in fact, I think they would have been pushing the boundary even more. Yeah. What's going on in America right now between our politics and our issues as people it was it would be rife material for the comedic greats and i wish chris rock were more on the stand up scene right about now because for me he's been the best in terms of political commentary in the sense of making all these uncomfortable subjects digestible and manageable and even laughable jerry seinfeld used to do it to a certain degree but he's even said that he's stepping back from that out of fear of retribution but i am not going to like dave Chappelle for what he did on comedy central and act like that that's any different from what he's doing right now yes we've had a come to jesus moment in america in terms of the mistreatment of women and that i wholeheartedly support but i think we're being hypocritical if we don't at least acknowledge the difference between a layperson and a comedian where we have historically, and I hope we will continue to give a comedian license to entertain us to be, and I hate the term politically correct or politically incorrect. It's, that's not what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. The expressive freedom ultimately to be able to give a, a level of insight and a vantage point through the prism of humor that I'm not allowed and I don't want the responsibility, that news people are not allowed and um, politicians are not allowed because they serve different purposes. Isn't that what Kathy Griffin was trying to say when she, quote-unquote, apologized? Yes, but I do believe that there are lines. And for me, the line with Kathy Griffin is whenever you talk about the death or dismemberment or you hint at that, that can have real consequences in the world that we live in. That's where I think that she crossed the line. If she were just making fun of President Trump or making fun of his looks or whatever, but when you have the decapitated head, 
in this environment today, that's a bridge too far for me. If she had just stopped short of that line, I would have been fine. But that is the difference for me. Maybe not for everyone. Maybe not for anyone. But for me, that was the line. Dave Chappelle, keep doing you. You're not as funny as you used to be, but keep doing you. This is the Gary and Shannon Show. I'm Mo Kelly in for Gary and Shannon. KFI AM640. They tried to make me go to rehab. I said no, no, no. Yes, I've been black, but when I come back, no, no, no. Amy Winehouse just might be back. KFI AM640. More stimulating talk. This is the Gary and Shannon Show. I'm Mo Kelly in for Gary and Shannon. Amy Winehouse left us some time ago, and she's in the Forever 27 Club. Famous musicians who either committed suicide or overdosed at the age of 27. I'm talking about uh, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morrison, Kurt Cobain. The list is actually pretty long. Amy Winehouse evidently may be back if you believe her father. Mitch says... That Amy comes to him in the form of an apparition and with greater frequency in and around her birthday, which is September 14th. Quote, after three years, I was thinking maybe that one day she will come back in some shape or form. And she does come back, not physically, but spiritually all the time. And he gets very specific in terms of how and where he sees her. Her spirit comes and sits on the end of my bed. She just sits there and it looks like her with her beautiful face and she looks at me. I say to her, are you all right? Because I get nervous with her being there. Duh. But it is comforting in a way to know she is here and around me. Close quote. Let's just stop right there for a moment. If you knew your dead relatives were watching you all the time and could come visit you in your bedroom Would that make you feel better or worse? I'm not so sure how I would answer that question. I don't know if I want my grandparents seeing everything I do now. Same. And I should not have to, you know, worry about that. I'm just, I'm trying to think. Yeah. We're all adults here. There's just certain things that I don't want (laughs) to share with everyone. And, and, and. If my maternal grandmother, Nana, were to come sit at the end of my bed and look at me, and I could tell it was her, I'm pretty sure I would be freaked out. I'm pretty sure. And I'm a person who is both religious and spiritual. I believe, you know, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, all of that. I'm just not so sure I would be comfortable with such a manifestation in that manner. That would be unnerving. And the alternative alternative is no one's watching and there's no afterlife and, you know, that's that. Pick your poison. I don't know if I want relatives coming back or at least unannounced. Send me a text message and let me know that you're coming. Don't come by unannounced. (laughs) Don't just show up in my bedroom at 1130 at night and I'm getting ready to go to sleep. And it's like, ooh. No. I'm pretty sure the text message actually would not be better. Because then you would just wonder who's been stalking you and knows all these weird facts about your life. The first time. The first time. (laughs) If I get a message from, you know, unavailable number or a blocked number saying, uh, 
Willie, that's my middle name is William, so my family called me Willie. Willie, I'm going to stop by tonight at about 12 o'clock. I just want to let you know in advance, love, Nana. Right, and then no. you go, BS, Nana doesn't know how to text. And I was, say. Yeah, I'd be like, no, my Nana is dead. Right, like, and that's, who is that's, this? that's how I would respond. Not a funny joke. It's, right, that's how I'd respond. And then when Nana showed up, you'd be like, well, I'll be. She knows how to text. Right. Oh, my God. Hello. <laughs> At okay. least I have some foresight. And I, and I do this, say this to be very serious. In my last apartment before I bought my house, I want to say this. It was in Studio City. It was at Ventura and Coldwater Canyon, not too far from here. It was a one-bedroom apartment, and this was maybe 2004-ish. I would have sworn anything that that place was either haunted or had some sort of spirit activity going on in there. You can always feel a presence when someone walks in the room, and there was often that feeling that someone was in the room with me when I had that apartment. It was very unnerving. There were times where I did just sit up in the middle of the night saying, all right, who the hell is in here with me? And I'm getting out of, the, out of my bed like I'm going to fight somebody, and of course there's no one there. I'm just kicking that air. Black belt doesn't do much against a doesn't ghost. doesn't do much. <laughs> I was trying to use the force. But ultimately, I do believe that there could be other world contact, if that makes any sense. I am the guy who does believe in UFOs, so I leave room for a lot of things. But if I had my druthers, as they say, please knock before entering, and please don't show up unannounced, especially if you're in the hereafter. That's all I ask. We can sit and talk all night long. You can even visit on your birthday or mine. <laughs> I just don't want you to scare the bejesus out of me. I think all of that that you just said would scare me. Like, no, I don't want you to visit. I'm sorry. I do miss you. But no, no. Not even in the daytime? I'm good. No, no, I'm good. Not even just to say, I'm all right. The other side is beautiful. I think if they did that in a dream, but if I, if, I don't know how I'd feel about seeing a ghost. You would not want to see a long-lost relative, let's say around Thanksgiving or something, just sort of float through the window. My grandfather died on Thanksgiving last year. I'm sorry. And oh no, no, it's it's okay. But I, I, it would freak me out the first time. But couldn't you get used to that? I just don't like this initial surprise. That would be my concern. Just don't come rattling chains and everything and, and coming down the hallway at 3 in the morning when I'm trying to stumble to the bathroom and, and I'm half asleep. Don't do that. Rattling chains? What situation <laughs> did they die in? The ghost of Christmas right. past. <laughs> I don't know how they're going to come back. And Even in the, um, the Amy Winehouse story, Mitch, her father, alleges that she comes back as a form of a bird which lands on him from time to time. With her face? It her doesn't hair. say. A bird with her hair. It's a bird which is reminiscent of the tattoo that she had on oh. her arm, I believe. That's kind of sweet. Yes. Hey, I want to be able so to come creepy. back after I die. And do what? Haunt people or speak to them sweetly? Ooh. Both? <laughs> just Both. to mess with folks. Just, just to be able to say hi. Just to torment the people that I didn't like. See how you mistreated me? I'm still here. I would be like a Twitter troll just from the other side. Oh, God. Is that mean? No. Yeah, it is. Yes. Yeah, yeah. it's me. This is the Gary and Shannon show. Mo Kelly in for Gary and Shannon. But I'm still here. I'm still here. Not Haunting a ghost yet. your morning.
KFI AM640, more stimulating talk.